The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. There seems no end to the reality of traumatic events suffered worldwide, be they from war, man-made atrocity, or natural disaster. We are alarmed and heartbroken to see children caught in the middle of such suffering. Today, you are going to hear about an international program that makes a difference, an early intervention program for children after community-wide trauma called Operation Safe. Our guest today is Jonathan Wilson, joining us all the way from Tokyo. He's the founder of Operation Safe, a worldwide program proven to prevent mental health concerns and foster resilience in children in the aftermath of natural disasters and man-made community-wide trauma. Jonathan will be discussing the rationale and components of Operation SAFE, as well as the important findings of its impact across 158 Operation SAFE camps in five countries across 10 disasters between 2015 and 2020. He'll also be drawing upon his recent interventions with children from the Ukraine. Jonathan Wilson developed Operation Safe with his wife, psychologist Ray Wilson, in 2008. Since then, he's trained and mobilized communities to provide operation camps for over, if you can believe this, 30,000 children in China, Japan, Korea, Mongolia, the Philippines, Nepal, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Haiti, Poland, Romania, and Ukraine. Jonathan holds an MA in inter- Intercultural Studies from the Fuller Theological Seminary and is currently completing a PhD program in holistic child development at the Asia Pacific Nazarean Theological Seminary. He's the founder of CRASH, Christian Relief Assistance Support and Hope, which mobilized 40,000 volunteer workdays in response to Japan's tsunami disaster in 2011. Jonathan Wilson, it is my great privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you, Suzanne. It's my great privilege to be here. Okay, we're finally doing this. Um, So let's start. So many people are interested in hearing this show. Let's start. What is the philosophy behind the curriculum that you brought just across the globe? What's the philosophy behind Operation Safe? Well, we have been responding to disasters in various parts of the world, and we always notice that children seem to be an afterthought. Uh, Everybody cares about children, uh, but they really just treated them like little adults. Uh, They would get the same care as everybody else. And uh, I looked at that and I thought, you know, children are are different. They're developing. Uh, They don't have the same needs as adults, and they need to be treated uh, individually. And so uh, we ended up making a, uh, a psychological first aid program 
that would take the needs of children into mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this program is really multi-layered and fascinating. So in terms of the design of this program, um, one of the things I wanted us to speak about up front because people are so interested in this, this piece of it is when you go into a community, let's say like the Ukraine that has just had devastation from war, how do you train community leaders? Because one different part of your program, since I also do quite a bit of intervention after trauma, is you train the community members to be your leaders at what you call a five-day camp. How do you encourage people who may not even have mental health training, how do you encourage them and then train them to be such an important part of the program? Well, a big thing that's important when you deal with crisis is if you try to teach people to do new things, uh, you've got a very big hurdle to overcome. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right. And so uh, it's, it's always best if you can work with people who already have the basic skills. And so uh, we typically work with groups in a community that already work with children and okay. uh and especially groups that already deal with issues of the heart, of crisis, of being with people when they're hurting. And so uh, many times this ends up being local churches and religious groups. And so we've worked in Indonesia, for example, uh, with Islamic groups. We've worked in the Philippines with, uh, with Christian groups there. Uh, in Ukraine, uh, the Christian groups were the ones that uh, were eager to be trained. And so uh, we're now spreading that training uh, actually throughout the country, uh, and churches uh, are offering up these camps. Um, uh, we, we just had 10 of these camps actually uh, in the last week. Okay, so this is a really good clarification, because you say you use a Bible school model, but when you say that, you don't mean that religion is a part of this program, but rather the fact that there is, a, is a, a structure that goes along with many, many religious organizations in terms of Bible school during the summer, children go for five days, there are counselors, there are, there are very d- different activities. So it's, that's the part that you're leveraging when you say you use a Bible school model. And the people you're using may be religious people, but they're mostly people who have an understanding of children and you also train them in identifying PTSD symptoms, depression and anxiety in children. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, we're giving them a, a rudimentary psychological first aid training, uh, but it's very specifically uh, towards children. So a typical okay. psychological first aid is for the general population. Uh, and <laughs> when you work with kids, and, uh, you know, if you're working with uh, young children, uh, school-aged children, teenagers, those are all very different target audiences uh, that if you just come in with a general program, you're not going to connect with them. And so our program is designed to reach children from 6 to 12 years old. So it's, okay. it's mostly school age. Okay. So in the UK... Yeah. So in the Ukraine now, the children that were invited to be part of the camp were from 6 to 12 years old? Correct. 
And the leaders, you said, some of them are people who are have a background in religion, but mostly they're people who, whether they were religious leaders or not, they also have a background in knowing children. Yes, yes. One of the really um, uh, powerful parts of this program is typically we use as uh, what we call crew leaders, uh, which is a, a one leader with a group of five to six children. Uh, nice. Typically we use youth who are uh, themselves maybe 13 to 18-year-olds nice. uh, to, to fill that role. And uh, what's wonderful about it is uh, we find that they're getting as much out of the program <laughs> as the younger kids are. Right. Um, but because they're helping, uh, they're volunteering, uh, it's not a program that's forced on them. Uh, they actually uh, um, benefit from it much more than an intervention that would be particularly targeted to them. Oh, I couldn't agree more. We just did a, a program with military children, and our junior counselors felt so respected because of the role they were given. So I, I think I, I know just what you mean. So let's tell our listeners a little bit about um, how the program is broken down. The five pillars of the program are what? And I know these these are evidence-based um, pillars. Yes. So, so what we did is we took these pillars um, uh, that are based off of Stephen Hobfall's work right. uh, and we translated them down to things that children can understand. And so uh, one of the first ones, uh, which is just bedrock, is that feeling of safety. Uh, and for a child, and especially uh, an elementary school age child, um, that translates to I am not alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, a, for a child, uh, they tend to revert back to a younger age when they go through a crisis, and mm. their biggest fear is abandonment. Uh, and so to be able to say you're not alone uh, physically, uh, and we emphasize that with now they're in a small group, they're with a junior counselor, we're all together in this camp together, right? Uh, that then um, is given to them as a theme for the entire first day. And everything that we do, our, our activities, our uh, games, crafts, even snacks, all emphasize and support that theme of I am not alone. Nice. Really nice. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I tell you a, a story? Um, this, is, this is such a powerful story. Um, this is back in Japan during the tsunami, uh, and we had a nuclear uh, a power plant that, that melted down, and all of the, the people who lived around the plant had to be evacuated. And we had uh, some of those uh, refugees were staying in a campground uh, near where uh, we are, and we held an Operation Safe Camp for them. Uh, and after the camp, I, I was uh, taking some supplies up to them, and one of the mothers came running out, and she grabbed me, and she said, thank you so much, and I, I asked her why, and she said, my daughter uh, just started first grade, and so she's this little girl separated from uh, all of her friends. She knows nobody at this new school in this new town. 
And uh, at the same time, they all know that she's the little girl from Fukushima. Mm-hmm. And the mothers were actually telling their kids, don't play with her mm. because they were afraid of radiation. Mm. And oh. so uh, this mother, she, she told me every day she takes the little pin badge that we had given her on the first day with the picture of our penguin, Pete, uh, and the words, uh, which means I am not alone. Nice. And that's how she gets through each day of school. Wow. It's a great story. It's a great story. And now that since you've yeah. mentioned this, you, you've mentioned Pete the Penguin, let's talk about how you integrate this little character because this is unique to programs. I have not seen someone else do this. And obviously this little one yeah, made a very big difference to her, and I'm sure it made a very big difference to others. Tell us about the use of this character. And when you said the children regress in, after the, in the aftermath of the unspeakable, it makes so much sense that you use this little character, and he goes through quite a bit of adventure. Tell our, our listeners a little yeah. bit about that. Well, uh, I, I wrote the story. Uh, and um, actually, we, we had uh, an artist who came up with these characters um, for us, and they're all from Antarctica. And the idea was to create characters that we could use anywhere, um, no matter what culture we were going into. And, uh, and by using kind of cartoon-type characters, uh, the children identify with the characters, uh, no matter what animal they are. And so... Um, Pete is our is our penguin, and he has had various names um, in various cultures that we go to. So we, he started out in Japan as Pichan, and then in um, uh, in China he became Pee Pee, mm-hmm. uh, and then we quickly found out that with school age children uh, in English speaking countries, we really didn't want to use either of those two names. <laughs> um, so then uh, in, uh, in uh, Ukraine right now, he's actually going by Patrick. Nice. Okay. And, That's good. Yeah. So, and, and what's really nice is, is our whale, um, her, her original name is Aurora, and in, um, in Ukraine, they call her Nadia. Okay. And, uh, and Nadia is, is a great name for her because in, uh, in Ukrainian, it means hope. And that's oh, her theme, actually, is hope. So, uh, so anyway, we, we created these characters, and we use a Japanese um, storytelling device called Kamishibai. And Kamishibai was uh, actually um, developed during the Edo period, uh, a couple hundred years back. And they would take these big storyboards, uh, and they would gather the children from the neighborhood, and they would tell stories and get this crowd gathered, and then somebody would be selling candy on the side, right? So it's, it's really a, a business model. Uh, and, uh, but it's really good for um, engaging with children because you have a storyteller. It's not just a video. Uh, and the storyteller has these large pictures uh, where the, the words to the story are actually on the back. And so we can really rapidly... Uh, train up these storytellers to tell the story in an engaging way 
even though they might be reading it for the first time. <laughs> Amazing. Great. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. And, 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 it's, 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 and that's so really, each really important. day, Pete or Patrick, in, in terms of your Ukrainian camp, um, each day these characters have a new adventure. There's a story told every day during story time. Yes. Okay. So, so he starts out being separated from his family, and uh, his ice shelf breaks off, and he ends up on the opposite side. And he's all alone. He's very scared. And what we do through the story is we're talking about not trauma, but we're talking about emotions. And so he goes through, uh, you know, frustration, fear, hopelessness, uh, anger. Uh, there's quite a number of different emotions that he goes through. And so we're not probing the children and saying, uh, you know, tell us about your trauma. But instead what we're doing is we're talking about these emotions that everybody has uh, and then allow them to share what they want to share. Mm. And uh, as he goes through this, uh, the children really relate. Uh, and then on the second day, uh, he meets Wally. And Wally is a huge walrus. Okay, uh, I'm going very... to stop us. Wait, wait. Oh, God, Jonathan, I sure. we got a time for this segment. So let's, not, let's hold Wally till we get back from the break, because I know people are listening. Um, you've been listening to Psych Up Live. We are so fortunate tonight. We are with Jonathan Wilson. He's joining us all the way from Tokyo. He has run Operation Self Camps Worldwide, and he's giving us the inside story of the wonderful use of fictional puppet characters with children. We have so much more to share. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. 
New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Jonathan Wilson, the creator of Operation Safe. And he was in the middle of talking about um, how they use fictional characters. Um, are they all puppets, Jonathan? We, we started out with uh, illustrations. It's a Japanese-style illustration. Uh, and then uh, over the years, uh, we've added the puppets uh, just to make it a little bit more tactile and fun for the kids. Okay. So each of the pillars of, of the program, promoting safety, calm, sense of efficacy, connectedness, and hope, are represented by a character. You want to talk a little bit about that in um, to, for our listeners? Yeah. So uh, Pete was separated from his family, and he ends up on the other side of the ice shelf. And at first, he's all alone, and he's very scared. And then the sun comes up, and he realizes he's not alone. There's all these other uh, animals that are there. He just doesn't know anybody. And the first uh, one that he, he sees that uh, he's actually quite taken aback by is this huge walrus. And he makes up his mind, I'm not going to go anywhere near this you know, huge uh, you know, animal. And Wally, uh, the walrus, turns out to be a protector. And he is the one who is going to bring all of the children uh, together and lead them uh, through the adventure that they're going to have. Uh, and, and this, I find, is um, helpful for children. Uh, his, uh, Wally's theme is actually uh, comfort. And we translate that to children as everyone is important. And what Wally does is he... Uh, protects all of the children, and he listens, and he takes time to understand uh, what Pete is going through. And this helps Pete to calm down and helps him to know that, again, that he's safe. And so um, the way that Wally protects is we have three uh, characters that come in at this time. Actually, uh, there's four. Uh, First is a seal uh, by the name of Sally, and we're going to see her later in the story. Uh, and then three older boys uh, who are penguins, and they start to bully Pete because he looks different. And, uh, and so Wally comes along in the, in the middle of this, and he says, what's going on? Uh, and he puts his arm around Pete, but then he pulls in the older boys and says, we've got to get Pete back to the other side of the ice shelf. Uh, and he includes them as part of the solution rather mm-hmm. than as being problem, right? Right. And it, it really is um, one of the major roles that we have as adults is uh, when children go through trauma, sometimes they express their frustration, they express the difficulty that they're going through uh, with behavior that's not desirable. 
Mm-hmm. And so they might take it out on other children. They might uh, be um, behaving in ways that, that we normally wouldn't want to see. Right. Uh, and so it's so easy for them to become part of the problem rather than really being seen as children who are going through this um, like the others. And so yes. uh, um, Wally understands that and includes them, and, and that's his role. Uh, on the third day, they get to the other side of the, the ice shelf, and um, they realize they're too late. Uh, they can't get back to where they were before. And they're kind of sitting there hopeless, looking out at this huge sky and this huge ocean, uh, and suddenly they hear someone singing. And this is Aurora or Nadia. Um, and she comes along and gives the children hope. Uh, and she has some wonderful wisdom, and uh, she has such a joy and, uh, and compassion to her. Uh, and, and this, again, is, is one of the roles that we have as adults, um, to share the hope that we have uh, with children. And uh, for children, we translate that into follow and believe. Mm-hmm. And the follow and believe part is, is really key because children need adults. They need somebody that they can believe in. They need somebody that they can follow and trust. And so rebuilding that relationship and community where they know, okay, uh, these adults are people that we are safe with. Uh, is is absolutely key. Um, well, Jonathan, then, the, when, when you think about the power of characters, storylines, characters um, breaking down the anxiety so they can really identify with it, when you think of the dysregulation after trauma, I would imagine the children remember these characters and, as you say, learn from them in a way no discussion by any adult or even the junior counselors is going to have that kind of impact. Really magical exactly. in the way it's set up. It, what it does is it allows everyone, even the junior counselors and actually even the adults, to glean from the story the mm-hmm. parts that they need. Yes. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's uh, B.D. Perry that mentions uh, titration uh, and how uh, when he works with children, uh, they um, allow themselves and open themselves up uh, as much as they're comfortable with, and they gain what they need to gain. And so it's not, a, um, it's not us directing them through a intervention, so to speak, right. but right. it's them getting what they need out of the story. And then um, we'll talk more. But uh, as they go through the story, the whole camp provides the atmosphere that, again, supports the themes that they're learning. But it's, uh, it's not supporting in a cognitive way. It's, it's supporting it in a physical way, in a tactile, um, a visceral way. Okay, so let, let's bring our listeners up to, to the relevance of what you're saying. Give us the daily schedule, because I think it's so relevant to what you're saying, and I was so fascinated by it. What's a typical day at Operation Safe Camp? Sure. So, um, and this is really the beauty of that that, uh, vacation Bible school format, um, is that we're not training necessarily these uh, local people to do something new. Uh, They've done it in the past. And so, um, and, and I always go with, 
um, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. I try <laughs> to use as much uh, uh, as stuff that's familiar as possible uh, because we're dealing with a crisis where everything is out of the normal. Okay, so uh, so what we do is we start the day with a uh, assembly. And we bring all the children together, and they are with their their crew leader, uh, with uh, which is going to be five or six kids with uh, with that volunteer. But then they're all together as a group, and and we start out with songs, uh, and um, we're telling them, introducing them to the characters uh, for the day, introducing them to the theme of the day, and then uh, then what they do is they split into six different groups. And uh, these groups then go to a station. And so it's like a, a six-ring circus uh, <laughs> where you've got a, a, a small enough group that it's, it's, um, it's doable in each station. Uh, and then they'll uh, do that activity for, say, 20 minutes. Uh, and then we'll ring a bell and everybody moves on to the next station. Uh, and so our stations, we start off with, depending on which, which group goes first, it could be in any order, uh, but they might start off with the story. And so they'll get the story first, uh, and they'll have a little time to talk about those emotions and talk about what Pete's going through um, with their crew leader. And then uh, they'll ring the bell, and they go to the craft station, and they'll spend the next 20 minutes working on a craft that backs up the, the, the theme. Uh, ring the bell, they move on to the snack station. Uh, again, it backs up the theme. Uh, ring the bell, they move on to a game station and they're playing physical games uh, that again, back up that theme. Uh, and then uh, we ha- added in, um, in our first uh, conflict camp, uh, we found out that um, the, the trauma was actually much greater than natural disasters. And so uh, we came in with a, uh, a mindfulness station uh, that we call the heart station. Okay, what's that and like? We trained kids. Yeah, it's really fun, actually. Um, we trained the kids how to breathe, um, how to uh, do some really simple exercises that, again, are physical. Uh, and so... Um, they are doing things that they could actually go home and uh, try it at their house. Uh, mm-hmm. Anytime they're feeling frustrated or angry, um, this is something that you can do. Uh, and then we introduce a new one of those and, and review the ones from the days before each day during the camp. Uh, and then uh, for cultures that are um, uh, where a Bible story is familiar and comforting, um, we'll have, uh, one, as one of our stations would be a Bible station, and they'll have mm-hmm. a, a story uh, that they're familiar with from mm-hmm. Sunday school uh, mm-hmm. that supports in the theme. Um, mm. And in some cultures where we did not have, uh, um, you know, that wasn't the case, uh, then we just substituted uh, for the Bible uh, station, we put in a, the mindfulness station. Uh, so uh, the nice thing about these modules is we are able to um, be really, really flexible and adapt uh, the various, you know, snacks, games, crafts, and activities that we do. For example, in Nepal, um, they could not get any of the snack materials 
uh, they just weren't available after a, a devastating earthquake in 2015. Uh, and so um, they called me up and they said, is it okay if we substitute mangoes? And I'm <laughs> that's like, sweet. Sure, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. That's great. They had mangoes every day for snack. Well, you know, I love the part in a way that in some cultures you are adding the Bible story um, because when in the face of the unthinkable, we want people to reach for existing resilience um, measures. And so you're, we always want to build on what's already there. And so that's a, that's a great option. And the mangoes are probably better than some snack they had never eaten. So, you know, it's, it's really precious, the work that you've done. I also think, I thought it was very interesting that every day when they start, Jonathan, they not only learn a new song, but they sing the song from the day before. Yeah. Is that right? So these children are yeah. learning, people are learning this music very quickly. Very quickly. Kids are yes. sponges for, uh, for the music and the dances. Uh, and there's something more powerful that's going on, though, and I, I need to share with you. Yes. Um, so we had a, 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 a young boy in the Ukraine. Uh, this is just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and his mother came in the second day of the camp, and he said, she said, Thank you so much. You've given back to me my son in Ukraine. And so we needed to figure out what was this about. <laughs> and she said that after they had evacuated to Poland, um, he had become quite aggressive. And he uh, didn't want to play. He didn't want to play with his toys. And he didn't want to eat. Uh, and it was, it was very, you know, difficult for them. And she said he came back from the first day of the camp and he hugged her and kissed her and said, Mommy, uh, this dinner is so delicious. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He was back. And, <laughs> and, and that's, that's one day. Okay. So um, what's going on there, uh, right. you know, is what happens with children, especially uh, younger children, and children who, again, as I said, are reverting back to that younger stage, they are looking at adults for clues on how to interpret their situation. They don't understand what's going on. They have no experience in their life with war. They don't understand the politics and, and all the geo stuff that's, that, that's happening around them. Um, they're a refugee, and so he doesn't even understand the language half the time that's happening around him. Mm. But what he does get is that everybody's worried. Everybody is anxious and afraid, and especially his mom. Mm. And uh, you might have heard on the news that the, it's largely the women and the children that have evacuated, right. and the men have had to stay behind and fight. And so she mm. is very nervous and concerned about her husband. Mm -hmm. So at the child picks up on all of that stress from the adult, and they then show that through their behavior. Right. Okay. So what happens on the first day of camp is they get to see a bunch of adults, a bunch of youth leaders, and everybody is smiling. 
Everybody mm. is having a good time. They're dancing and they're singing. And what they're sending is this message. It is okay. Mm-hmm. You can was, have fun. Okay. Yeah. You it's can, very restorative. Yep. Mm. Oh it's terrific. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. And so as they watch this, the kids come out of their shell and they start to become kids again. And so, mm. uh, you know, one of the things that I've said over and over is um, when trauma happens, especially in a in an acute trauma like uh, a mass uh, disaster, uh, it's like somebody has pushed pause on the video. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're just waiting for somebody to tell them it's going to be okay, it's all right. And they pretty much just stop until that happens. Uh, the first camp, very first camp we did in China. I'm, gonna, um, I'm just going to stop I, because this is going to be a very important story. We're going to take a brief break. We're going to come right back. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're so fortunate we're here with Jonathan Wilson the creator of Operation Safe. He's giving us some wonderful examples of how this Operation Safe has worked worldwide. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your Midlife Roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Jonathan Wilson, the creator of Operation Safe. Jonathan, you had just said something so powerful. You mentioned that in some ways, trauma is like hitting a pause button. Everybody's frozen. They're not sure if going backwards will ever be possible. Forwards may be more frightening. And so you were talking about how this intervention, Operation Safe, with layers of adults, young teens as counselors, and your little ones, changes that in some way. Yeah. So our very first camp was in China back in uh, 2008 uh, for the Sichuan quake. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I asked the uh, actually the principal of the school where we held the camp, uh, I asked him, so how was it? <laughs> and the reason why was because uh, we'd never done it before. So I, I didn't know if it would work or not. Right. And, uh, and he had uh, actually a little girl behind him, and he brought her out. She was a little bit shy, uh, and it was his daughter. And he said, um, after the earthquake, she didn't laugh, she didn't talk, she didn't smile, she didn't want to play. And uh, after your camp, I have my daughter back. Mm. And goodness, I'm I'm like, okay, I know what I'm doing with the rest of my life. <laughs> <Gosh. laughs> yes, yes. So uh, what happens is is we're pressing play, okay, and we're giving them permission, um, and not so much in words, but by showing them it's okay to laugh. It's okay to smile. It's okay to play. And all of these things are crucially important for a developing child. And so it's, um, you know, oftentimes in humanitarian situations, what we're focused on is food, shelter, medicine, clothing, you know, the, those basic ingredients basics, for life. Right. Uh, and then, um, you know, then we've gotten closer into humanitarian, um, you know, groups are doing things like education and protection. And then very, very recently, um, we've started doing psychosocial programs and, and looking into dealing with the mental health needs. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, um, that actually, though, for children, because of their developmental stage, um, giving them that permission to go forward, to play, to be a child is absolutely critical. Mm. Well, one of the things, I'll just read it out for, for our listeners, um, Jonathan and his and co-authors put together an unbelievable paper that you can access online called Trauma Functioning and Wellbeing in Children to Receive Mental Health Aid After Natural Disaster or War. And you correct me, but one of the findings is that in one study of Thai children in, a, in, a, in the aftermath of a tsunami, the prevalence of PTSD was 57.3%. After six mm. weeks, and mm. they had had the intervention, uh, the number two years later was down to 7.6% with those for whom mm. the help and the camp had been available to them. Now, is that similar to the type of findings that you've had? Yeah, we're... We're seeing that typically in most situations, you have uh, 
a bulk of the children who are going to be okay. They have a, uh, a support system around them uh, that functions, um, and they just need someone to press that play button. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have a smaller subset of children who are uh, more at risk. Uh, and, and that could be for many different reasons. And it's almost impossible for us to be able to see which child beforehand is going to be more at risk. And, and so that might be previous trauma in their life. It could be, uh, you know, a chronic uh, abuse that has happened. It could be their social economic uh, situation. Uh, so it, that's very, very complicated. But what happens uh, when we do our camp is we, uh, we're not doing a targeted intervention for the most at-risk children. Instead, we're doing intervention for all of the children in okay. that community. Now, do you, do you refer or in some way um, identify the high-risk children such that they get further intervention, Jonathan? Is that even possible? Well, uh, what we're actually working on right now uh, is I'm taking uh, our assessments from the Ukraine uh, camps that we're doing. And we're trying to uh, identify the children that are at the most risk. Um, see, the big difficulty that we've always had in crisis is that um, a lot of the infrastructure and a lot of the uh, capability of, of mental health that exists previously is wiped out. Oh, right. And so, right. so you don't have the resources that you need to mm-hmm. uh, meet all of the needs. And so there has to be a triage. And mm-hmm. so uh, we look toward more of a stepped uh, kind of care where you have a very wide-based early intervention, and then uh, you're able to figure out which children need more care so that you can use those resources that are very scarce uh, in a strategic way. Very well um, said. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes yeah. sense. Makes and in the past, that has been difficult, and um, and because it's very difficult to tell. Uh, for example, a child with with uh, with high uh, or severe symptoms, uh, actually, many of those children come out of the other end of the camp doing extremely well. Well, just like uh, your boys, you have, just like you said, those teen boys were having a little trouble yeah. or a little sort of um, hyper. Um, it's interesting they came out in a different way. So I, I hear what you're saying. This is not a mental health clinic that you're setting up, but it's an intervention that touches ch- every sense and gives children a lot to feel safe and hopeful about. Now, where are the parents in this? Are the par- We know the community members who are involved. Certainly the beauty is that when you leave, they're still there, and they are trauma bonds, and they are resources for the, the for the children but where do the parents fit in do they understand what's happened with the camp do they want help themselves what have you found the parents reaction to be many of the parents are are simply overjoyed at the difference that they see in their kids and and that's extremely helpful um, right. one of the the challenges that we have is really psychoeducation uh, and helping people to understand that the response that these kids are having is a normal response. Uh, you know, trauma is going to have an impact. Uh, but 
they are not helpless and they're able to be uh, a support and a help to their children. So um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that is, is really crucial is building community uh, mm-hmm. so that these parents also have somebody that's with them. They're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what's uh, really critical right now when we work with the refugee communities uh, that mm-hmm. are outside of Ukraine. So we're right. in Poland at, at the moment. Okay. And, uh, and you yeah. have, uh, we had one little girl there, and this, this story will, uh, will illustrate this quite well. Um, before the camp, uh, she spent every day online going to Ukrainian school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've gotten really used to doing that because of COVID, right? Right. Uh, but she was doing it because she's in Warsaw, and all the schools there speak Polish, and she doesn't. And so she's been going to school in Ukrainian online. And her mother said uh, that one of the best things about the camp was that she now has Ukrainian friends who oh, are local. Nice. nice. Great. Right? Great. And then, of course, now that mom has gotten to know all the other Ukrainian refugee moms uh, that are local to that, that area as well. And so uh, building community is such a, a big part of resilience. Yes. Um, for a child, uh, and especially a school-aged child, um, they're going through a transition from a, uh, a primarily family-based uh, coping system to a system that now includes teachers and friends. And so it's mm-hmm. a, a little broader world. Um, when they are evacuated because of a disaster or conflict, that is suddenly stripped away. And that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why they revert back to that younger age and they grab on the mom. <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the, the challenges we have, and this is um, actually in our story, at the last day of the story, um, Pete actually does not go back home. He, they aren't able to get back to his parents in Antarctica. Uh, and, and many people ask, wow, that's such a sad ending. Um, but actually many of our children who uh, we work with over the years don't have the option of going back either. Right. They're no home to go back to, and uh, many times their parents are, are no longer with us. And, and so what happens with Pete is that he has made a, a new community. Uh, he's part of this group of friends and adults that support each other and are with each other. And, and that's his happy ending. It's not mm-hmm. going back what he had before. Um, that's really not possible, but it is uh, a new beginning that uh, that makes a difference. And so, uh, as much as possible, we want to include the parents and uh, and we uh, want them to be part of this. Um, but we also have to realize that um, sometimes those parents are not available. Mm. Well, you know, one one definition of hope, Jonathan, is options in the future. And that's really, it's, it's, a, it's a, just exactly what you're doing is showing them there can be, even with the little character, there could be options in the future. And the fact that they found a community that may not have found their parents, but they found the community, 
that makes me think of the power of knowing and being known. When you hear someone speak your language, it's special. Mm -hmm. But you have really covered the psychological, the social, and the emotional threads that that really get very, very torn, but but in these camps really get rethreaded. It's like they they get repaired. And some of them even turn out to be things we never would have expected, it seems. Yeah, I think um, one of the, the things that I, I really appreciate about these camps is that you're spending uh, five days. And uh, what happens during those five days is all kinds of connections. Uh, they're connecting with that small group of five children that they're with. They're connecting with the youth leader. They're connecting with the station leaders who are adults. They're connecting with uh, that community. Now, the other uh, Ukrainians that are there or whatever uh, group that it happened to be. Uh, and rebuilding that community makes the child feel safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Typically, in most Psychosocial interventions. Um, the focus has been on the individual child, and they're looking at this child to see what are their symptoms and and what are you know how are they coping. Uh, but children are not really um, it, to look at them individually. You're only getting part of the child. Uh, well, that- they are still really part of their community. And that community helps shape their identity. It helps uh, shape who they are. And it provides layers of protection. And so if you, you strip that child out of their community, which happens so often in evacuations and with refugee children, um, you're really taking about half of that child away from the child. Mm. And so well, as much as we can restore the community, uh, the better off that child's going to be. One of the things that attracted me to your program as soon as I read about it, because I'm a group person uh, from the American Group Psychotherapy Association, is the power of group to heal. For years, we've believed it, we've seen it, and your program is such a beautiful example of it. Just what you say, it isn't, it's when you put that child with other children surrounded by little characters, music, mindfulness, and dancing, I don't think it can get better. It's it's pretty magical, Jonathan. It really, it really is. So and we only have another moment or so um, left. I wish we can talk for hours more. But what would you like, what kind of take-home message would you like to send to our audience, which is national and international? I believe uh, that every child that goes through a, a trauma uh, needs care. And... Uh, and unfortunately, it seems like uh, whatever country you go to, there is a mental health uh, crisis. There, there are too few uh, people caring and, and too many people who need care. And uh, really, I believe that groups, local groups, can be trained and mobilized. And this is something that we all can do. Um, many, many years ago, they started training life-saving uh, for, you know, people who stopped breathing or, or mm-hmm. their heart stopped. And, and these aren't doctors. They're volunteers. Uh, and we need to do the same thing uh, for the mental health uh, 
crisis that's, that's happening all over the world. We need to uh, train uh, groups of people uh, to be there in every community, and especially for our children. Well, Jonathan, for everyone listening, I want to thank you for Operation Safe, for your personal creation, and, and for your the number of children and community that you have touched. Thank you so much. I applaud your work. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast. This will be a podcast by 6 p.m. tonight on all the platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon Audible. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. But until next week, please stay safe. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.